0: I'm Taylor Burgess, lead pastor of Cross Community, and I wanna welcome you to worship with Cross Community Church online. Uh, Really glad that you've chosen to join in with us today, and there's several things that we wanna be able to highlight as we begin our time together this weekend. Uh, First, if you're watching this on Facebook, there's several resources that we've linked to this video so that we can better serve and assist you and stay in communication with you. The first thing we've linked is our online Next Steps card. This is important because it's the number one way we stay connected to our church family. So if you have prayer requests or you have any interest in getting more connected at Cross Community, just fill out that Next Steps card. Our staff will follow up with you throughout the course of the week. We've also linked a COVID-19 impact form. If you or your family have been negatively or adversely impacted by COVID-19 in any way, uh, we're here and ready to serve you. So if you'll take just a moment, uh, share the details of your circumstances with us. And again, our staff will follow up with you throughout the course of the week, and we'll do everything that we can to come alongside you and help. Uh, To this video, we've also linked resources for kids ministry and student ministry. So make sure you check out our Cross Kids Facebook page and website to be able to find uh, resources for family worship from home for kids from pre-K to elementary age, and also our student ministry page is linked here so that you can learn how to get connected as a 6th through 12th grade student with either middle school or high school Zoom calls as our student ministry meets online throughout COVID-19. The last thing we've linked is online giving. We are incredibly grateful for your continued faithful generosity uh, as a church family. We're going to share some wins about that today at the end of our service time together. Um, But thank you so much for how you've continued to faithfully give through this season so that we can meet the needs of our church family, of our community, and continue forward in our mission to preach the gospel and make disciples. We're so glad to have you joining in with us this weekend. We look forward to worshiping with you today. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us uh, to worship today.
1: Before we get started, we're gonna go to the word. This is Psalm 24. And if you would read this with me. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Mm. Pray with me. Father God, we praise and thank you that you are the Lord of hosts. You created the world and you created everything in it. May we never forget to rejoice that our names are written in heaven because by the blood of Jesus, we have been saved. We worship you that Jesus, the King of glory, is mighty to save, that though he is God, he came to earth as a lamb to die on the cross and to pay the price for our sin that he rose again so we too would be raised to new life eternal. And we glorify you today that you loved us so much that you prepared a plan of redemption and sent him as our redeemer. May our voices in worship of you fall sweetly on your ears today and may your spirit move in us as we dwell on your word. Through Jesus Christ, our high priest, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.
2: chase and ends. Is here to set the captives free. For who can stop? stop the
1: Uh, what I'd like for you to do right now is uh, whatever whatever Bible you got, if it's a book or if it's your device, I'd like for you to take a moment and open to John 10, 11 through 15. And just for a moment, I'd like for you to read through this scripture uh, by yourself, together with your family, with friends, uh, and then just take a moment to pray uh, that the Lord would speak to you uh, during this time as we dive into his word.
0: Amen. Well, I wanna invite you if you're not there already to turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 10. We'll be picking up uh, here in verse 11 today, continuing where we left off last week. If you're joining us for the first time, we're on week four of a seven-week message series called I Am. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes a statement about who he is. Uh, extraordinary claims, each of these having uh, just massive ramifications for our lives. So week one, we saw that Jesus is the bread of life, who has come to satisfy the eternal hunger of our souls. Then uh, the next week, we saw that Jesus is the light of the world, who's come to overcome the darkness of sin. Then last week, we saw that Jesus is the door of the sheep. He provides our entry into life, and And he protects our enemy, us from the enemy of death. And then today uh, we'll be looking at, continuing in John chapter 10, at how Jesus is the good shepherd. Um, When I was in middle school, I had a football season where my team was coached by maybe some of the worst coaches in the history of youth sports. And uh, I'll just fast forward to towards the end of the season to give you a snapshot as to why. Um, It was discovered late in the season that the two college students coaching my middle school football team weren't necessarily invested in the youth of America. Uh, They were actually there uh, fulfilling some court-ordered community service. And so, um, as you can imagine, like all season long, they pretty much just did the bare minimum. So we had like practice one day a week. The practices were totally meaningless with no structure. Uh, More than once, now that I'm older, I recognize that they may or may not have shown up with a hangover at our games on Saturday mornings. And uh, they would just kind of make up plays on the fly, you know, drawing them in the dirt. And so our team that year was terrible. Uh, We we didn't win a single game. We finished at the very bottom of of the standings. But then the next year, he took the pretty much exact same group of players that I was playing with. Uh, We got a new coach. And our new coach did love coaching youth sports. And he cared about us. And he invested in us. So uh, we practiced almost every single day of the week. And he had printed out a playbook for us. And we had to go home and and memorize plays so we could be ready in our games. And that season, with pretty much the exact same group of players, uh, we were undefeated. And we finished at the top of the standings. It's the leadership guru, John Maxwell, who has said everything rises and falls on leadership. Jesus came at a point in time in the nation of Israel's history where uh, the people were suffering under the leadership of bad shepherds. So we're going to uh, continue in the second half of John chapter 10, pick up where we left off uh, at the end of verse 10 um, last week. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the second half of John 10, but we're also going to uh, let this be a day where we really let the scripture interpret itself and illustrate itself because there's so much that's fulfilled uh, through Christ in this claim that he's the good shepherd. So we'll look at several longer passages of scripture and we're just going to Going to see today very clearly that Jesus is not a bad leader. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. So this is from John 10. Uh, let's read verses 11 through 13 to get started. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. For centuries, the nation of Israel had been waiting for a good shepherd who would come and rescue them from the bad shepherds. Psalm chapter 80 is a psalm of lament where the psalmist cries out to the Lord like a sheep, calling out to a shepherd in distress. The psalmist writes in Psalm 80, "'Give ear, O shepherd of Israel.'" You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. In the same way, the prophet Isaiah prophesied of the shepherd who would come as the redeemer to save the people of God. In Isaiah 40:11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young For centuries, the people of God had longed to be rescued by the good shepherd who would deliver them out of oppression and care for them. So unlike the bad shepherds who caused the people harm and abandoned them at the first sight of trouble, we see first from John chapter 10 that the good shepherd lays his life down. Verses 11 and 12, Jesus does a compare and contrast of the bad shepherds of the nation of Israel and, and who he is as the good shepherd. He says the bad shepherds, they don't even own the sheep. Since they don't own the sheep, they care nothing for the sheep because they're just hired hands. And at the end of the day, they're just in it for the paycheck. At the first sign of trouble, they'll abandon the sheep and they'll leave them to be devoured by the wolves. But the good shepherd is the owner of the sheep. He has great investment in the sheep. In verses four through five, we saw that the sheep are his own and that he knows them by name. So unlike the bad shepherds who will abandon the sheep to die, Jesus is the good shepherd who will die for the sheep. We saw last week how the Old Testament prophets had spoken out against uh, the the bad shepherds who'd been leading God's people. So here's two other passages of scripture similar to what we saw last week that really highlight the Lord's displeasure uh, with the leaders who didn't care for his people. Ezekiel 34, "'The word of the Lord came to me, "'Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. "'Prophesy and say to them, "'Even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, "'Ah, shepherds of Israel, "'you who have been feeding yourselves. "'Should not the shepherds feed the sheep?' You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Listen to these indictments from the Lord against his shepherds. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force, with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beast. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill, my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. In the same way, the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23 said, "'Woe to the shepherds who destroy and and scatter the sheep of my pasture,' declares the Lord. "'Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, "'You have scattered my flock and driven them away. You have not attended to them. "'Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds,' declares the Lord. "'Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, "'and I will bring them back to their fold.' And they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. God's word does not speak kindly about leaders who forsake their responsibility to care and use their ministry to God's people as a platform for personal advancement. Now, the clearest modern day example of this is probably the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel a gospel that promises uh, empty things in, in return for giving of your money and giving of yourself, that promises that you'll never be sick and that God wants to load up your bank account and you can live in a big house. And so uh, if I could just give you one great fun application step today, this is maybe the, the most fun application step I'll ever give you, it's this. I want you to go to Netflix today. You do not hear that wrong. I want you to go to Netflix today and find a documentary that just came onto Netflix about a week ago. It's been out for about a year, but Netflix started streaming it a week ago called American Gospel. And what you'll see in this two and a half hour documentary is uh, for the first hour, a foundation of establishing what is the true gospel. And then for the second half of the movie, exposing the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And what you learn about the prosperity gospel is that it's as it's exported uh, from the US all across the globe, the prosperity gospel always preys on the most impoverished and the most vulnerable. It preys on those who are sick. It preys on those who are, are needy. And so what we have to do is, is constantly be on guard against this notion that there might be those out there who want to use the name of God for unhealthy personal advancement. This is what was happening with the shepherds of the nation of Israel. They were using the name of the Lord. They were using the ministry that he'd given them for padding their own pockets. They were hired hands. Jesus had already said and in, in, uh, earlier in chapter 10 that they were robbers and thieves. Here, he just calls them hirelings. They're only in it for the money, so they're more than willing to sacrifice the sheep. And this is what sets Christ apart from every other shepherd. Uh, under the Old Testament, Old Covenant sacrificial law, the sheep would be sacrificed for the sins of the shepherd, but what Jesus said he had come to do would be the shepherd who would sacrifice himself for the sins of the sheep. Five times in this short passage, Jesus uses the words, I lay my life down. Jesus is not just a hired hand who's in it for the money and who will abandon you at the first sign of trouble. Jesus has purchased you at the cost of his own life. He owns us and he's not going to let us go. He's the good shepherd who lays his life down. Verses 14 through 16, Jesus says again here, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So the good shepherd lays his life down. And second, the good shepherd cares for his own. Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me. You need to understand this word know that Jesus uses here, this goes far beyond a surface knowledge and it speaks to the deepest level of intimate relationship. Just how well does he know us and just how well can we know him? Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me. How well can we know him? Jesus says in verse 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father. The eternal relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Trinity, this is the deepest, most intimate relationship that could be known from eternity past. The Father has fully known about the Son, and the Son has fully known about the Father. There is no deeper, more intimate relationship, no, more, no greater intimacy than what's found in the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus says that He knows us and that we can know Him with the same depth of intimacy that He knows the Father. And this is possible not just for those who are born among his people. This wasn't just gonna be possible for the nation of Israel. He's made it possible even for those who are born far from him. He says in verses 16 and 17, that there were other sheep from outside of this fold that he would bring in. And they would all be one flock with the shepherd, with one shepherd. This is how the apostle Paul says, longer passage here from Ephesians 2 just kind of lays all of this out and how this worked in the backdrop of eternity. He writes, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So Paul's speaking to who we were before the work of Jesus Christ. He says, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But here's the difference. Here's what's made possible through Jesus. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together as a dwelling place by God. By the, Holy, by the Holy Spirit. It's the Apostle Paul, master of the run-on sentence. <laughs> Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are one with God in such a way that we have become his dwelling place. We can be one with Christ in the same way that Christ is one with the Father. You know, very often we, we hear this word sheep, and I think we, we think of it you know, frequently as a very degrading term because you know, if we're, we're just being honest, sometimes sheep can be pretty dumb animals. But if you you look at the context of first century Judaism, sheep were really considered to be of high value. And not just because they were necessary for the sacrificial system, but in comparison to other animals uh, like dogs and pigs, sheep were considered clean when these other animals were considered unclean. And last week we saw that good shepherds knew the intricate details of their sheep. He gave them names. He repeated their names, he, he sang over them, he knew their tendencies, and he knew their, their, their unique personalities, and he knew what their scars were all about. He was acquainted with every intimate detail of their lives. You know, so I'm, I'm a dad with three boys at home. Our boys are seven, five, and three, and each one of my boys have very unique personalities. They have very unique preferences. And, and if I'm gonna love them well, I have to be in tune with each of their individual needs. And so let me just use breakfast time as an example. So at seven o'clock in the morning, our three boys come spilling down the stairs, and this is what I know about our boys. So Gideon is our oldest, and for breakfast, Gideon is going to want either a piece of raisin toast or a bowl of oatmeal, and then he's either gonna want a cup of chocolate milk or a cup of orange juice to drink. Uh, Nolan is our middle. Nolan is either going to want a bowl of cereal or a waffle, uh, and he's either gonna want a cup of almond milk or an orange juice with his breakfast. Lincoln is a little bit more tricky. He's our youngest, he's three. Lincoln wants an egg every single day. But then what Lincoln will do is tell you he wants a bowl of oatmeal so you make him a bowl of oatmeal. But because he's three and emotionally unstable, he then gets mad that you made him the oatmeal, so you take the oatmeal away. And then he gets mad that you took the oatmeal away and he wants to eat it. And then he pitches a fit that you gave it to him again, and he just wants water to drink. And that's the unique personalities of each one of my boys. I I know the stories behind the scar uh, right above Gideon's left eye. I know the story of the scar right next to Lincoln's left eye. And the reason I know this is because they're mine and I love them. And I'm I'm intimately acquainted with the details of their lives. And here's what's amazing about our good shepherd is he knows you. He's intimately acquainted with every detail of your life. And this is what that means for us. Jesus knows the version of us that we don't want anyone else to know. And he loves us anyway. He knows our failures. He knows our fears. He knows our, our failings and he knows our insecurities And in spite of all of that, he sees us and he loves us and he's purchased us at the cost of his own life. He knows us and we can know him with the same depth of intimacy that he knows his father. He's the good shepherd who cares for his own. Verses 17 through 20, Jesus goes on to say, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Verse 19, it says that there was again a, a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So the good shepherd lays his life down. He cares for his own. And third, the good shepherd takes his life up. It would be wrong to look at Jesus as a victim or a martyr because no one took his life from him. Jesus voluntarily laid his life down. I love what John Piper has had to say about this passage. He says, this story doesn't end with a mangled shepherd lying dead among three dead wolves and sheep scattered, thirsting and starving in the desert." Jesus doesn't just lay down his life. Jesus takes it up again. He says, I have the authority to lay my life down and I have the authority to take it up again. Jesus is not a victim of the grave. Jesus stands in victory over the grave. He holds all authority over life and death. And this was a very divisive claim among the people because they knew that the only one with the power over life and death was God. This is why they're so sharply divided. And this is why in verses 19 and 20, there was great division among them. There's many who think that he's he's demon possessed. They think he's insane. But it's natural that Jesus is going to cause division because like we saw back in verses one through 10, who did Jesus say that he was? He said, he's the door. And what do doors do? Well, for some people, doors shut them in, but for others, doors shut them out. Jesus is truth. And so for those who believe in him, for those who turn from their sins, those who who trust in him, he's a doorway into eternal life. Jesus came as the door and all who entered by him, who would turn from their sin and come to him, will be saved. But he's also the door that will eternally close to those who persist in their sin and refuse to repent and believe. In Matthew chapter 25, there's this really vivid picture painted by Jesus that illustrates the work of the shepherd as it pertains to judgment, Matthew twenty five thirty one, Jesus says, when the son of man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father inherit the eternal kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the day is going to come where the shepherd is going to do the work of separating the sheep from the goats, and what is the distinguishing mark of those to whom the door is open and to those to whom the door is closed? The distinguishing mark is how well they shepherded those who were in need. Did they take the posture of the good shepherd who had compassion for the lost sheep, or did they take the posture of the bad shepherd who ignored the hurts and the brokenness that surrounded them? I just ask you today, I just wonder, have you walked through the door responding to the voice of the good shepherd? Because the day, today the door is open for all who will turn and repent and believe, but there's going to come the day when the door is going to close. So will you listen to the voice of the shepherd and follow where he leads? So what do we do with all this today? I just want to give us a few brief questions here for reflection as we begin to close things. First question is, the question I just asked a second ago is, will you follow? Will you follow the good shepherd? Jesus is the good shepherd who invites us to follow him. And one of the ways that we most faithfully follow him as followers of Christ is by shepherding his people. After Jesus uh, restores Peter, following Peter's denial of knowing him, what's the question that Jesus asks him by the, the the commandment that Jesus gives him by the fire three times? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So depending on your season that you're in right now as a follower of Jesus, if you've really grown, you're maturing in your faith, the Lord is calling you to participate in this word of shepherding. He's calling you to step in to lead. He's calling you to disciple. He's calling you to care. But depending on your season, maybe you're a new believer, you're coming back to the church for the very first time, you just need to take on the posture of being shepherded. You need a good, faithful, healthy example of someone who's following Jesus day in and day out who can come along beside you and help you learn to discern the voice of the shepherd through his word one of the reasons as a church why we so heavily emphasize church membership and community groups is because these give us the very best opportunity to truly discern who we are responsible to care for and to help us foster and facilitate an environment where faith can be grown and nurtured. So Jesus is the good shepherd who's going to take care of you. Will you follow his example and be a good shepherd for someone else? Will you follow the lead of a good shepherd so that you can faithfully learn how to shepherd others? Take a next step, getting connected in this mission of caring for and shepherding within the church body. Will you follow? Second question, will you fight? You know, the reality is for us today is that bad shepherds and wolves still abound. Many of us as a church family were reading through the Bible together in 2020. And if you pay close attention as you're reading through the New Testament, what you will find at every corner of the New Testament, from the words of Jesus to the words of Paul, the words of the rest of the apostles, you will find warnings about false teachers every single turn of the New Testament. Read Paul's letters. He has absolutely no hesitation calling out groups, calling out individuals by name when they're perpetuating a false gospel. We cannot be in the year 2020 so afraid of being perceived as politically incorrect that we avoid confronting those who are biblically incorrect. We are called to call out those who are perpetuating a false gospel and we do this out of love for our neighbor. Jesus is a door and doors divide. There's going to be some source of division. When you are asserting that something is true, namely Jesus, it's also asserting simultaneously that other things are not true. This is going to cause natural division. It doesn't mean that we have to be mean about it. it doesn't mean that we have to be jerks for Jesus, but we do and we are called to contend for the faith with grace and love as we stand on the truth of the gospel and the character of Jesus Christ. Being a good shepherd means being loving enough to confront things in the lives of others that are causing them harm, even if they don't think they're causing them harm. L- listen to the words of Jesus from, that we saw from, from last week. What, what does Jesus say about false teachers? What's he say about the wolves? Do they come dressed as wolves? They come dressed as sheep. They look and appear harmless, but good shepherds will be willing to put themselves in harm's way to fight off the enemies who cause harm to the people of God. So will you follow, will you fight? Third will you find? And one of the indictments of Ezekiel is that the shepherds of Israel did not pursue the strays and they did not seek the lost. I just wonder today, as we read through these passages of scriptures, you hear the words of Jesus who reminded of the words of the prophets. Who do you personally know who has fallen away from the church, who's wavering in their faith, and they need to be pursued? need someone to go after them. Someone to encourage them, someone to bring them back into the fold as they wander away. Who do you personally know who's wandering far from Christ and needs to be found? Who's lost in their sin and he needs to hear the hope of the gospel, he needs to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd in the same way that Christ came to seek and to save you? Will you seek others so that they might be saved? This is the work that God has called us to do as the church. You know, maybe you've uh, been able to put this together. Uh, last week and today as we've looked at these passages, but um, Jesus has been setting up a very powerful image with these two claims that he is the door of the sheep and he is the good shepherd. Typically a sheep pen had a door where the shepherd would enter. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 2. So the shepherd would open the door to let the sheep out during the day. The door would open so the sheep could go out into the pasture and then during the night, the door would close so that the sheep could sleep in the protection of the pen. But in his sheep pen, Jesus, the good shepherd, doesn't have a door because he is the door. And what does he do as the good shepherd? He lays down his life. And so this is the picture that Jesus is setting up for us, is that when we enter into the pen, we enter into the boundaries of his sovereign care protection. He doesn't just close a door to keep us in and to keep us safe. He is the door that keeps us in and keeps us safe. As we escape from the, the dangers of the world, from the dangers of our sin, from the dangers of the brokenness that surrounds us, we enter into his sovereign care and he lays himself down to keep us in and to keep enemies out. He puts himself in harm's way. He as the good shepherd lays himself down so that we can be protected from our fiercest enemies of sin and death. When Jesus laid his life down willingly, voluntarily on the cross, he did that so that we could rest in his perfect finished work, free from the fear of the power and the penalty of our enemies of sin and death, because he's the good shepherd. I've always loved these words uh, from Victor Hugo says, have courage for the great sorrows of life and patience for the small ones. And when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. And we can do this because our good shepherd has laid himself down as the door for the protection of his sheep. So this is what I want to be able to do as we, we close out our, our time together here today. Is I, I want us to, with that image in mind of our good shepherd laying down as the door, who's keeping us in and keeping the enemies out. We're gonna to go to the words of Psalm 23, this very famous Psalm about our Lord who is our shepherd. Now, uh, Lord willing, as we wrap up this message series in a few weeks, we're actually gonna spend five weeks here in Psalm 23, so I wanna just uh, sort of prime where, where we're gonna be going a few weeks from now and, and let these words just sort of begin to resonate in our minds, but uh, wherever you are today at home, these words will will be on the screen if you have your Bible open. Let's open together to Psalm chapter 23. And then, uh, just as our closing prayer, we're going to read these words today. We're going to read them slowly. Uh, Just take a a little bit of a pause um, at the very end, and then I'll close us with a a short prayer. Let's reflect on our good shepherd here from Psalm 23. Read together with me from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, as our good shepherd. We thank you that he does not run from us. He does not abandon us the moment we become difficult the moment that there's a challenge, the moment that there's a threat. We thank you that he has stared down the enemy of sin and death in the face, that he has conquered them through his life, death and resurrection, his victory at the cross. We thank you that because of what he has accomplished through his death and through rising again from the grave, that we have been invited into intimate relationship with him in the same way he is in relationship with you. Father, don't let us settle for less than that. You want so much for us. You want us to experience the fullness of joy, the fullness of life in you. We saw the words of your son last week, that he's come to give us life, that we could have it more abundantly, to have it to the full. Lord, we desire everything that you have for us through your son, Jesus. So today, Lord, will you just turn our hearts from our sin, turn our eyes and our minds from lesser things, fix them on you. Your beauty, on your holiness, on your righteousness, on your perfection. Father, help us to be people who participate in this work of shepherding your people, that we would faithfully shepherd and care for one another, that we would never see that as any one individual's responsibility, that we would see that as the work of the collective body and bride of Christ. Lord, that there would be many who step up to begin faithfully leading and shepherding others who are new in their faith. For those who are new in their faith, Lord, that they would be able to, to cling to someone who's faithfully following you and giving them a healthy example. Father, help us to be bold and contending for the faith, to fight off wolves, to fight off false teaching, to fight off false doctrine, to not be worried about being perceived as divisive as we fight for your truth. Lord, help us to be tempered with the spirit of grace and love to never intentionally pursue causing others harm in the name of fighting for truth, but Lord, to fight for truth, to never lay down in that responsibility. Father, give us a heart and a passion to find, to seek those who are far from you. You sent your son to seek and to save those who are lost. Lord, let that be our work too, participating in the work that he came to do for us. Lord, we thank you that he has found us. He sought us out and he saved us and because of his work, we're yours. So Father, help us to press in today to all that you are for us and your son, Jesus. Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit that we could faithfully walk in your ways, walk in your word and be faithful good shepherds to those who are far from you and to those who belong to you. Be glorified as we sing and as we go today. We ask all these things in your son's name. Sing together as we close.
2: Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want pastures he makes me lie down he restores my soul and leads me on for his name for his great name surely goodness surely goodness surely mercy rise inside of my enemy Though the arrow flies and the terror of night is at my door Beside me all my days and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name I sing that one more time sure.
0: is good news for us, that we have a good shepherd who loves us and cares for us. And so I hope you can rest in that truth today. Um, Hey, as we close things out, again, thanks for joining us online uh, again this week. If you're watching this on uh, Facebook, don't forget all of the uh, resources that were talked about during the introduction to this video are available uh, on this post. And so check all those things out. We'll follow up with you throughout the course of the week. If you're watching at a different time on Vimeo, uh, all the resources we talked about are available on our website, crosscommunity.org. And again, we'll follow up with you throughout the week as well as you fill those things out uh, and send them in. A Couple uh, of quick things as we we wrap things up, uh, really just one big thing in particular. Um, Number one question uh, that I I am certainly asked uh, pretty much every day of my life right now is like, when are we getting back together? And I have some really good news. And the good news is we do have a date for regathering at the YMCA. And I'm going to tell you that date on Monday night. So um, what you need to do is uh, tune into our Facebook page Monday night. There's an announcement video that we'll share. Uh, If you don't see that announcement, that info will go out uh, via email as well um, early next week. But just stay tuned for that. We're really excited. We are going to begin. It's going to be modified, uh, but we are slowly making our way back to full um, regathering. So uh, stay tuned for that and just continue praying um, for all those details that unfold behind the scenes. So um, those of you who are uh, in community groups. Some of our groups are starting to get together as groups are comfortable, and so we absolutely encourage you, uh, begin regathering with your group as, as your group sees fit. Um, your group leaders, definitely feel free to, to link people in via Zoom if they're not totally comfortable being there in person yet. Um, for all of us who typically would serve on volunteer ministry teams, um, it's about that time again that we'll, we'll start coming back together and making Sunday morning happen. So uh, some of you have already heard from our staff over the last couple of weeks. You'll continue hearing from them in the weeks ahead, and it'll just be really helpful, especially if we're getting into summer, if you're able to communicate with them, uh, vacation dates that you and your family might be away, or again, listen, if you're just not comfortable yet coming back to the Y, not comfortable yet serving, We totally get it. We have no judgment against that and completely understand, but it will be really helpful for us to know um, who's gonna be available to come in and jump right back into serving and ministry uh, and those of you who will will be staying uh, at home a little bit. We do have a lot of ways. We're gonna continue serving those of you who won't be regathering in person, so please don't feel like uh, we're gonna abandon you. All that information is gonna be shared uh, this coming Monday, so stay tuned for that. But uh, we love you. Thanks so much for joining in. Let's say together our banner verse from Psalm 45, 17, and then we will sing together As we close, I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing. Praise God, from whom all
2: blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures.
1: good to hear the people of God sing Uh, the Lord uh, bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace amen guys we love you so much and we really uh, can't wait to see you all in person soon but uh, for now uh, go in peace